TG Geeks, episode 184, August 27th, 2018. What about Grecian vampires? Hello and welcome to another webcast from TGGeeks.com, where Ben and Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery. Sci-fi, comics, film, horror genre, you name it, we talk about it. I'm Keith Lane, and we're coming to you from TG Squared Studios in lovely Phoenix, Arizona, and I need to cough. (laughs) And I'm Ben Raggington, coming to you from Allergy Ridden. In August? Yeah. Phoenix, Arizona. That's why Keith had to hit the cough button, it's because for some reason... Scratchy throat. Well, things are blooming. Why you, yeah. Well, you, we were saying earlier, we had rain. Yeah, we've had Lots rain. of rain this Lots summer. Lots of rain this summer. It's been a very, very wet uh, very, very monsoon. monsoon. I'm sure we've probably already gotten the annual rainfall. I didn't bother to look. Uh, anyway, so we have a really interesting interview for you now, so we're just going to get right to it. And this time we have a special guest all the way from Egypt. Egypt and truly Egypt, not not the no, we're not being, metaphorical no, no. Egypt. We Literally. Have, yeah, we have the writer director of With a Kiss I Die, and his name is Ronnie Khalil. And welcome to the show, Ronnie. Thank you. Pleasure to be on the show. Yeah. So tell us who who is Ronnie Khalil and how did what's What's going on, and how did you get into the directing business? I know you've kind of been in show business before, but uh, tell us how that all came about and your your history. Well, I uh, was a stand-up comedian for many years, um, and I was performing mostly in New York, Miami, L.A., and then I have an Egyptian background. Both my parents are Egyptian, and you know, after the unfortunate events of 9-11, there was more of a focus on the Middle East and, you know, our comedy was used as a bridge to try to understand, you know, not only the the Middle East, but for the Middle East to also understand and, you know, hopefully relate more to the West. Um, and so I started performing around, you know, the world and a lot of uh, shows in the Middle East from... Lebanon, Cairo, Kuwait, um, Jordan, and, you know, just really took off from there. And um, during that time, I was trying to write shows and movies. I had a romantic comedy that I wanted to uh, create, which was sort of like my big fat Greek wedding for the Middle East. Uh And so I wrote that as a vehicle for me to star in it. And we had uh, a production company with uh, probably the most famous Middle Eastern director, um, you know, at the and he he had won like the Palm Door and Cod and all this, and then unfortunately he passed away, Ooh. and so I was back trying to get funding, and then I got funding from one of the richest people in the Middle East, and then the uh, revolutions happened, oh, dear. so that got put on hold. <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's one of the uh, projects that's just sort of like cursed from the beginning, I guess. 
Um, but it got me into writing films and um, really enjoying structure. And so I decided to create a film with a, with a friend of mine. We wrote it in like three days. It was called You Can't Kill Stephen King. Oh, wow. And <laughs> it was a horror comedy. <laughs> and uh, we, you know, we, it was raining and we were on a lake where Stephen King has a house in Maine. We're like, wouldn't it be funny if, you know, Stephen King was basically murdering people to keep the place quiet. <laughs> and so we came up with the, the movie idea. We were in two and a half days, three days, something like that. It was 40 pages long. And somehow we got someone to invest a very little bit of money into it. They're like, oh, this is so much money. It, it's more than enough to make a film because we're stupid. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. It wasn't enough. We knew nothing about it. Um, and somehow we pulled it off and sold it to, to like 12, 13 countries. And it's on Amazon Prime now. And that sort of launched me into the writing directing gig. Very interesting. So tell us, what? why are we talking to you today? Well, I mean, duh, besides <laughs> just because, but what, what is the right. impetus, <laughs> what is the impetus for talking to you today? And because you have a, a big project that's uh, about to I be released. Do. I do. I have a new film, which I am a writer, director, and producer on, as the indie film world goes, you know. Right. and catering and everything. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> and the production the, the, the assistant. Called, With a Kiss I Die. <laughs> and production assistant, my own assistant, assistant to Mr. Khalil. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's called With a Kiss I Die, and it is a, uh interracial lesbian Shakespearean vampire movie. Wow. And, uh, That's it, a mouthful. Yeah, and it didn't... It didn't int- we didn't intend it that way. This is one of those films where, you know just serendipity kind of takes over and you end up meeting people who you want to cast and you like, and the project just sort of takes a life on its own. For me, you know, I'm, I'm pretty open. If it sounds like a good idea and it moves with the story and it helps it along and it makes it more organic, then, you know, why not? Yeah. We, um, we just but, recently yeah, talked to a, the, an author that uh, his, he was trying to write this book and it, it just, it wasn't happening, and it, it wasn't happening, it wasn't happening. And then he realized that the two characters were gay. And so once he made the mm-hmm. two characters gay, the story wrote itself. <laughs> so. This is kind of how we did it. It was originally, so the idea was brought by uh, our contributing writers, uh, Barbara Libel and uh, James Ory, and they had come up with this idea of uh, Juliet Capulet from Romeo and Juliet. And basically she gets reborn as a vampire and they had written it as a comedy, which was sort of like a my fair lady type comedy. Oh dear. And yeah. And I, for, for some reason, the whole idea of Juliet being forced to live forever after she had her soulmate die on her basically for, you know, where she would blame herself for it at the age of 13 at such a young age. How would you, move on in your life from that event. Right. And if you were forced to live forever, you know, if you only get one soulmate and they died when you were 13, then how bitter or morose or, you know, dejected would you be? So like, I, I sort of gravitated towards a very dark <laughs> aspect of it. And I spoke to them and I said, would you guys mind if, you know, we, this is sort of a drama. 
And they were like, no, you know, we like the idea. So we sat down and, and brainstormed and ended up making it a very dark romance between a boy and a girl, Juliet, and a love interest that she meets. And during the casting process, we were, you know, casting and we found a, a number of girls who we really liked. None of the guys were clicking with the role. They were talented, but for some reason it just wasn't meshing. And my casting director uh, turns to me and says, look, we like all the girls. Why don't we have the girls read it? And I was like, oh, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, not that I'm against it, but I feel like I brought all these actresses here for a role and now I'm going to be like, so you guys mind being, you know, lesbians? And <laughs> I was like really worried about it. And uh, we had another one of my friends and she was in the room and she's like, no, I think you should do it. I was like, all right, well, I have your <laughs> approval. Let's give it a go. And I spoke to a few of the actresses and they're like, yeah, definitely. Sounds awesome. I was like, okay. And we had two of the girls read the script. And for the first time in the entire casting process, the script popped. Wow. Mm. And we were like, oh, I guess we're making a LGBTQ film, right? There we go. And then with some of those, yeah, Leba like, some of those Lebanese right. women, you know, they're Middle Eastern. Oh, <laughs> I couldn't resist. It, oh, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Bypass that joke. That's, our, that's quite all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so and then we ended up, you know, trying to figure out who our Juliet was going to be. And I, you know, I had introduced, uh, interviewed a couple of actresses and then my director of photography and one of the producers on the project, Jorge Valdesiga, he had a friend who he said, look, she wants to try out. She read the script and I was like, sure. So she came in and it was Ella Kweku who, uh, plays our lead in Juliet and she's African-American and she killed it. You know, wow. she absolutely, it, it was the role. And I was like, all right, then there we go. And you know, so now it's sort of how do you turn the script that we had written into a, you know, lesbian romance? And I kind of went back and forth with it because I didn't want to have, you know, I, I, I didn't want to be the, the guy who brings sort of the, the straight guy's version of what, you know, lesbian romance is. You know, right. it's, it, it just I didn't want to, you know, you didn't want to be that, that guy. So really worse. <laughs> I'm sorry, say that again? You, you didn't want to be that guy. No, and, and at the same time... <laughs> I didn't you, want to be that guy. Yeah, when you do something like that, you also run the risk of being accused of pandering, and clearly that's not something you want to do either. Yeah, so it was, it was a delicate spot. So ultimately, after talking to a few people, we said, why are we changing the love story? It's a love story. It doesn't matter <laughs> if it's boy, girl, 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 boy, boy. Right. So ultimately, we didn't change any of the romance between them. All we did was I changed the character who is basically the nurse, Romeo and Juliet. Originally, it was supposed to be a 55-year-old Southern woman. And I ended up changing it to this young, really tall, very foreboding Greek man. Ah. And all of a sudden, you know, the relationships changed because of that. But the relationships between our two leads didn't. So it really brought this weird sort of... Uh, I don't know, artsy, moody, uh, you know, just odd uh, mixture to the Romeo and Juliet story. And everyone pretty much loved it. And then once we found our nurse character played by uh, George Klopsidis, everyone was like, oh, yeah, we get it. Mm -hmm. He was a six foot eight former European basketball player. Holy moly. You know, just like this giant, giant man with this incredible mustache. And he, he wanted to play sort of this vain character. So he started taking 
like these silk bathrobes and putting them on. <laughs> and it was just this magical, like you, you didn't know what to make of him. And it was, it was, so it was, it was beautiful. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So in, uh, in doing this story, uh, cause you said it's, it's a new take on Romeo and Juliet are, is it safe to say that, uh, our love interest characters, you know, they're, they're from different sides of the track. Otherwise, how do you have that theme? Correct. Yeah, I mean, it's, and that was one of the, the reasons for the vampires, is because now you have humans and vampires, essentially, a vampire family that doesn't approve of the human choice. Oh, that's, I see now. Well, that kind of adds a whole new yeah. wrinkle to the whole vampire myth alone. I mean, we've well, seen so many uh, past yeah. stories where the idea of a vampire bringing somebody over just so they can be with them, I mean, that goes back to Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. yeah, that that's very interesting. And I, you know, so go ahead. It's and uh, b- believe me, like at first I was uh, I was hesitant to make a vampire love story, right? Because uh, everyone was like, "Oh, you're making Twilight." I was like, "I, I n- no, but I guess yes." <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just it's without the sparkle love story, I guess. Just no sparkly. Yeah, exactly. No sparkling. No sparkling. <laughs> you know, but I I thought it was a much darker version. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely its own take. We bring some of our own vampire lore to it. Um, you know, I, I, there's some, some interesting revelations about vampires in the film. Interesting. But I think we try to honor, you know, the, the vampire fans as well as the film itself. Again, I was sort of hesitant to make a vampire film, and my script doesn't have the word vampire in it at all. Hmm. But it's clearly a vampire film. Like you can't you can't run away from it. Right. You know, at first I was like, no, it's a <laughs> it's another type of film. But no, it's a, it's a vampire love story. Right. And now after watching it and you know watching it with some vampire fans, I was like, cool, we made a vampire story. It's a vampire lesbian love story. <laughs> yeah, I just said yeah. that's a mouthful. That's, that's, that's Shakespearean. That, yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it was filmed in Greece, so it's a Greek tragedy. <laughs> Oh dear! What's and it's it? a Greek tragedy. It's a Greek tragedy. Great. <laughs> so, how long? Uh, how long of a production time was it uh, to make this film? We shot over the course of around twenty-one days or so. Wow. I mean, our schedule was really hectic. We were jumping from one island to the next. Um, you know, in true indie style, we were figuring out our locations as we go along. I mean, my script was basically somewhere pretty night. <laughs> you know, and well, uh, that's anywhere, basically wherever. <laughs> yeah, so we would find a place that sort of suited the scene. We go, oh, this scene's going to work, and we tell the actresses, "All right, you got ten minutes to, you know, get this scene going." And so for that, very high pressure, but they they did amazing, and they were super flexible. And because we wanted to capture the beauty of Greece. We, we shot during sunrises and sunsets. Oh, wow. Um, which, you know, it sounds great, but when you're trying to get a, <laughs> it's you know, a small indie crew to wake up at 4 a.m. <laughs> and then stay awake and shoot again at 8 p.m., well, it, you know, it, it becomes a challenge. And, right. you know, your actresses, you're like, you look lovely, you look gorgeous. And they're just like, where are we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but wouldn't that add to the whole vampire myth, I would think, if they just look all sour? I, I mean, yeah, but, you know, the, unfortunately, the, the recent vampire movies make everyone look amazing all the time. <laughs> right. And luckily, they looked amazing all the time, but it was, it, was, it was a challenge, you know? I mean, they have to get their hair and makeup ready an hour or so before, and, 
You know, it was it was it was a rough shoot, but every once in a while you just raise your head and you look up and you're like, Oh my goodness, we're in Mykonos or we're in Santorini. This is incredible. Right. I would assume that there were some challenges, you know, as you said, you're going out, you're scouting locations. Uh, is it safe to assume that this movie was, like, shot way the heck out of order? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we, it, was, it was based on what we were able to get in what city. There was a few days where we were in Athens and waiting for people and, you know, trying to coordinate schedules with all our Greek actors. We had some phenomenal Greek actors from like theater and, and film and, and stage. And so their, you know, schedules were rough to, to get in. So, you know, if we were shooting in Athens and we're trying to pretend it's Santorini, then we have to shoot whatever's indoors in Athens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there was definitely logistical challenges, but at one point we're like, all right, you know, we knew the script so well and we had rehearsed with the actresses before Ah. Um, so at least they knew where they were and what they were going to be doing at a certain time. Okay, that was my um, that was so that my helped. next question because I was wondering. I mean, granted, that's more of a, a question that's geared towards an actor as opposed to a director. But one of the concerns that, or not quite concerns, but one of the curiosities I have is when you're filming something like this, uh, where do you find yourself in the character's arc? Uh, and I was curious as to what kind of challenges there were there. But as you said they all knew their characters rather well through rehearsal, so they were able to jump right into wherever they were at that stage of the character's life. Yeah, yeah. And we would talk about it the night you know, before or the morning of in the car ride and be like, hey, guys, remember this is a scene after this scene, and you just realized this. And, you know, they would, so, you know, we would have these sort of questions and answers before we got on set, but it was still quite a challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just getting in that headspace and going, you know, one day we're shooting a, a love scene, you know, where, uh, where they're falling in love. And then the next day, you know, is the, you know, uh, a major horrific event happens and you're, you know, in tears. Oh, so oh. it was, you know, it was, it was tough for them. So the movie being done, um, how long ago was it finished? And you, I assume you're just taking it around the, the film, the independent film circuit, correct? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Did it do a film festival circuit? or we, we didn't do a film festival circuit. We actually got distribution from Gravitas Ventures uh, early on in the process. Oh, and wow. We said, this is, this is what we want. Um, and we're releasing at the end of the month and we're releasing on video on demand, DVD and Blu-ray. I, I think we're in, uh, Target, Barnes and Noble. Uh, we're releasing USA and Canada on almost wow. all the major cable networks, you know, oh, wow. Comcast that's a, that's and Direct TV. And that's a pretty broad distribution. That's great. Yeah. That's... Yeah. We're, yeah, yeah, it's great. I, I mean, I, I have a list of the partial list right now and it was, something like 40 countries. Um, so excited, yeah. Well, that, that's incredible. So what, what's next for, yeah. for you after this film is done? Right now, I'm actually producing my cousin's film. He's a very talented commercial director here in Egypt. And I'm going to be working with him on a Arabic film. And I can't give too many details about that, oh, okay. but it's uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting. And I also spend my summers here in Cairo, 
write some. I'm actually working on my first novel, the part young adult fantasy, uh, like magic. Hmm. So I just started that. Nice. And uh, that's last year. The last last few years, I was teaching uh, film at universities, very universities, doing visiting professorships, and you know, working as an instructor. And this year, I have off, so I'm going to be pursuing you know these film projects and my book. No, oh, cool. Very nice. So, for anybody who wants to learn more about uh, you and where you're going with your career, because obviously you've got your fingers in a lot of different pies right now, and the film, and a film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, where can they learn more about you know b- before uh, this movie comes out? Although by the time this interview comes out, the movie will be out anyway. No, so. we're we're it's tomorrow. Tomorrow, August twenty eighth. Yeah. yeah. That's what that's yeah, August twenty eighth. Yeah. So um and it's already available pre sale on iTunes. Okay, so you got that. And if people want to learn more about you, uh any kind of social media presence, being any place on the intertubes, Facebooks, Twitters, Instagrams, any place like that. Yeah, you, you can find me on Facebook, Ronnie Khalil, and you can learn more about the film with a kiss I die dot com, as well as uh Instagram with a kiss underscore film. And I have my production company, which is clownfishproductions.com. So, yeah, it's, uh, you'll find me somewhere. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, this has been really a fascinating uh, chat with uh, Ronnie Khalil, the director, writer, producer, uh, production assistant, uh, janitor of <laughs> With a Kiss I Die. Cook. Thanks for being on the show with us. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Hi, this is Rusty Manuel, director of PJ, The Legends of Nathaya and Occupants, and you're listening to the Two Gay Geeks podcast. And here's a few selected birthdays for August 27th through September 2nd, 2018. Well, actually... uh, we missed a couple of birthdays on Oops. the 26th. I don't know. Facebook being weird. I'm sorry. SF Edwards or Sean from Edwards, a friend of ours on Facebook, and has written a, a number of novels, uh, sci-fi novels, on the 26th. And also James Fritas. Happy birthday to Happy birthday, both James of and Sean. Yeah, happy birthday. August 27th, we have Paul Rubens and Vic Mignogna. August 28th, Army Hammer, Amanda Tapping, Billy Boyd, and yes, I'm going down in, in alphabetical order. Is you that have, what you're doing? <laughs> yeah. And, and then we skip to the J's. Jack Kirby, Carl Burham, uh, who is a famed uh, opera, or not opera, but uh, composer. Compo- not conductor, not composer. And then Umberto Giordano, who is a opera composer. composer. Dang, I get confused. August 29th, Robin Robin Leach, who actually just died the other day. Yeah, I just read that. Yeah, I'm sad. Really, really sad. And uh, Michael Jackson, Dinah Washington, and Charlie Yardbird Parker. We Arizona Opera is doing the uh, Charlie Parker Opera, uh, Yardbird. Ah. Charlie Parker's Yardbird in November. Also on August 29th, Chris Pine, Mark Hughes, and Daniel Hughes. And that, okay, now, th- these are my brothers, and wow, they got days, birthdays on the same day? Yeah, they're twins. How about that? Oh, it, oh, is that it? Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. And Christine Shandell. August 30th, Michael Chiklis, Mary Shelley, Shirley Booth, 
who played Hazel. Hazel, the Hazel. maid. Hazel, the maid. And friend of mine on Facebook, Kelly Webb. August 31st, James Coburn. Zach Ward, who paid, paid, uh, played Scott Farkas in ah. The Christmas Story. And Itzhak Perlman, and I've been fond of telling the story of when I met Itzhak Perlman when I was like 12 or 13. And also on August 31st, I'm going to carry Punkielli, who's an opera composer. Opera composer. He uh, composed... Um, the big one's La Gioconda. La Gioconda, where we get the... Uh, the Dance, Dance of the Hours. <laughs> Dance of the Hours that's been used in numerous places. Most famously, the movie Fantasia. Fantasia. Yes, with the Hyacinth Hippo and yes, Ben and, Alligator. And, and Mademoiselle Umpanova. Yes. Also on August 31st, Roger Dean. Oh, famed uh, artist, artist, architect, uh, but I think everybody probably knows him best from the work that he did for the classic Yes albums in the 70s. Yeah. Also on August 31st, Russ Emanuel. So that's why we did his uh, little uh, guest Aha. bumper up there. Happy birthday, Russ. September 1st, Bern Gorman, who was in, made his... Uh, well, his big thing was we, Torchwood. Yeah, originally. big thing was Torchwood. But then uh, he then, was also in the um, Pacific Rim movies. Yes. Also Lily Tomlin, Edgar Rice Burroughs, and Johann Pachelbel. composer. Yes, another po- composer who uh, is famed for the, uh, the Pachelbel canon, although Brendan would argue with this and call it a ground or yes. a round. Or but, the, but the art is, of the ground round. Art of the ground. Uh, no. Oh, no, that, that's no, 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 uh, P.D. No, Kubach. No, no, no. P.D. Kubach. P.D. Kubach is responsible for that. Pachelbel. September 2nd, Guy Laliberté, who is the founder of Cirque du Soleil Soleil. and Chris McAuliffe, Um, Keanu Reeves, uh, Facebook friend and fellow podcaster Scott Tyler, and Matt Jurgens. Happy birthday, Matt. Yes. And that's it for the birthdays this time. Technorama, the podcast for geeks, because geeks are better than cool. You don't hear someone say, get Get away away from from me, you you cool person. person. Who's going to have their 65-inch home theater system installed by the cool squad? Not me. No, we did it. for sure. We did it ourselves. How much cool cred do you have? Not enough to care about. Think you'll find any canned unicorn meat at thinkcool.com? Tastes just like it's chicken. Just it's just a parked, parked domain, domain name. name. They don't even have roadkill in a paper cup. That's why you need to start listening to Technorama, because that's what geeks do. Go to chuckchat.com and listen to Technorama before you turn turn cool. Go give a listen to our friends Chuck and Craig over at Technorama. 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 Is that it? Technorama? Yeah, Technorama. (laughs) Yeah. Here we go. And it's time now for... Everybody's favorite. Oh, yes. The favorite music of Ben. Right. So, starting off with episode 182, some comments from there. And start. it comes from Arkle. 
And uh, in episode 182, we had this little conversation about how the Oscars were adding a new category for most popular. And he says the Oscars need to add categories for stunt work, performers, and coordinators. People have died doing this job, but it still doesn't get enough respect. And then he yep. kind of actually names a few people that, that have passed on, most specifically for Deadpool 2. And I think you're right. I mean, I believe they do get some kind of mention in the in memoriam, but I think as a cat, it's not a bad category. Yeah. Not, I think you might be onto something there. And then he continues on. He says, proud as I am of the incorrect Voyager quotes blog, I'm thinking it might be time to switch the promo to that of my YouTube channel. My views have actually taken a hit since the last boost way back in April. After all, I already bought the set for season three of Shameless Cash Grab earlier that I planned, but Mill Creek discontinued the set and Amazon had literally one copy left in stock. And I got four episodes of Rants vs. Zombies up on the channel already. The channel is growing, albeit slowly, since I fell down the Star Trek online rabbit hole. Well, Arkel, Brian, friend, you'd be happy to know that we're already doing that. Yes. Yes. I picked, I picked it up and did it the very next week. That's right. And uh, That's an old piece of feedback. Yes. Uh, well, we are kind of, we have stockpiled a bit. Yes. So uh, this one, we're talking about old... My yeah. goodness. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. This is for uh, a review that I wrote two, three years ago? Two, two years ago. Two years two, ago. Two. Two. Okay. B&B, a fictional gay thriller in a factual world. And this was something that uh, we got and we helped push to have shown at Horrible Imaginings. And it won there. It won there for Best Feature. And we continue to get hits on our website for this review, which mm. I find amazing. Yeah. And somebody just a couple of weeks ago, someone named Michael, wrote, Just finished watching this. What an excellent movie and really leaves food for thought afterward. Yeah. Wow. We're still getting hits on old getting, stuff. I, well, this is the one Especially that Especially this one, B&B, &B, you know, that, that review for B&B. &B, it just it continues to get hits. It's the I, gift I that keeps on it, giving, so I'm I not going to complain. I'm not complaining. I just, it just wonder amazing. where they're coming from. That's well, odd. I mean, this, this comment uh, clearly indicates it's not bots. People are actually surfing over, and they're looking at the review. Mm -hmm. I mean, how it's showing up in their search, I don't know, but I'm not questioning it. I'm grateful. And then, lastly, we have a comment from Tommy Cannon. This is in regards to new sushi, morsels of news from Japan and beyond. And, by uh, our friend, by Hamish, our friend Downey. Hamish Downey. And he did a little entry about paper masks that were designed by Yuri Yasugi. And Tommy Cannon says, I love those folded paper masks. There's an engineer slash artist from Ireland called paper pet shop that makes mask designs in that same similar style but those japanese pieces hit it out of the park actually uh, uh yuri is um in taiwan actually he's a oh. model in taiwan and shanghai oh interesting yeah okay. so yeah go figure but um yes i took a look at those masks myself tommy and i thought they were amazing so if anybody out there wants to know what tommy's taking uh talking about we'll have the links for everything that we've covered so far all the feedback, including for the uh, install or issue number 24 of New Sushi by Hamish. And you can actually find that little article that he has about the paper masks by Yuri. So you can see it all there. And that's the feedback for today. That's it for the feedback. We want to hear from you, our listeners. You are important to us. Let us know what you think about this show or the articles that we run on the website. We'd be happy to... Uh, have that feedback as well. You can leave comments on our Facebook page uh, where we run 
publish all of our articles as well as the webcast, and you can like our page. You can even comment on our YouTube episodes or at tggeeks.com directly on this episode or on any of the articles, and you could receive a shout-out on a future episode. We also have a listener feedback line. If you want to call us and leave your comment, we could play that on air. Call 469-TG-GEEKS. That is 469-844-3357. And remember, please play nice. Yes, the Force is strong with the Two Gay Geeks webcast. I didn't know that that's, that that piece of music actually had dynamics like it that. It does. It's amazing. Didn't you know? Yes. Uh-huh. Especially when uh, you get to play conductor with the soundboard. Yes, exactly. So i got a couple of things I want to talk on. Uh, this one I was actually really excited about, and I want, to cu- um, I want to thank my friend Darren Anderson, who lives in England. He's the one who brought this to my attention. Uh, now... Keith and I are avid Doctor Who fans, especially of the classic stuff. That's that's really our bread and butter. We love classic Doctor Who. And uh, that, for me, includes the Big Finish catalog. I personally am crazy about the Big Finish stuff because it really feels like, well, A, you're listening to, like, you know, old-time radio in, in the fact that it's a radio drama. Yeah. But... I love that it actually has the vibe and feel of those classic stories. Of oh, Doctor that's Who. cool. I mean, they're like in four parts. They're roughly 20-some-odd minutes each. They get the classic actors to come back. Uh, and when they can't, they'll get a voice actor to actually come and do the part. It's, I, I love it. I, and I'm, I'm in, going through a whole bunch that a friend of mine uh, gave me on CD. I ripped them all and put them on my, my iPhone. I've listened to them daily, and I just love them to death. They're fantastic. So, why do I bring this up? Because Big Finish will be celebrating 20 years with a huge Doctor Who audio crossover event. Now, yes! This will be in 2019. They're going to be celebrating 20 years of creating Doctor Who stories on audio with a huge audio crossover event. It's called The Legacy of Time. The Legacy of Time. Yeah, now, check six hour. No, oh, let me say that again. Six one hour long stories. So, There'll be one-hour-long stories, six of them. So that's six hours. Basically, yeah, six hours, which we will see. But they're all going to be individual stories. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. Uh, is that it? Oh. Yes. Okay. Uh, and anyway, we will be seeing characters from the entire history of Doctor Who Crossing Paths, some for the very first time. Alex Kingston is coming back as River Song. Oh. She's going to meet her predecessor, another time-traveling archaeologist, Professor Bernie Summerfield, played by Louis... Lisa Bowerman, uh, Kate Stewart, who is uh, her, that character is the daughter of the Brigadier, yeah. and she's played by Gemma Redgrave. She's coming back yes. to do one. She's going to be traveling back in time to classic unit stories, and she's oh, wow. going to meet the third Doctor, who's going to be voiced by Tim oh. Trelore. And, and I've heard him. He does a scary John Pertwee. Wow. As well as Katie Manning coming back to do Jojo Grant. Jojo Grant. Jojo Grant. Uh, also, Countermeasures team from the 1988's Remembrance of the Daleks will be reuniting. Um, let me say that, say that again. Will be reunited with Sylvester McCoy's Doctor, 
as well as Ace by Sophie Aldred and Colin Baker's Sixth Doctor. Now, hold, wow, Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy in the same episode? Uh, yeah, interesting. Ooh, combustible is the word that comes to my mind. Combustibility. Yes. Uh, as well as uh, his companion, Charlotte Pollard. I love Charlotte. She's, she's a character that they created for these uh, Big Finish audios. She, she is a fantastic character. I absolutely adore her, and it's India Fisher, so I, I love that. Uh, once again, uh, the, they will meet Detective Inspector Patricia Menzies by Anna Hope in a police procedural like no other. And then they get to go to Gallifrey. Uh, elsewhere, we enter the Time War. The Doctors, we will meet there, and there will be... Plenty of Easter eggs. The artwork on this is fantastic. There's Paul McGann, Colin Baker, Tom Baker. I mean, everybody you could possibly imagine uh, going back. I mean, this is going to be one really exciting uh, Big Finish production. Uh, the six stories include Life and Ruins, The Split Infinitive, The Sacrifice of Joe Grant. Uh, the fourth one doesn't have a title yet. It's just simply called Episode 4. And the fifth one is The Episode Avenues four. of Possibility, and the sixth one is Collision Course. I Ooh. guess uh, there's a whole um, synopsis. Time is collapsing. Incidents of temporal chaos and devastation are appearing throughout the many lives of the Doctor and his friends. Fallout from one terrible disaster. The Doctor must save history itself, and he will need all the help he can get. The truth is revealed and will take more than one Doctor to save the day. The cast includes Tom Baker, Peter Davison, Colin Baker, Paul McGann, Sylvester McCoy, Alex Kingston, Lisa Bowerman, Sophie Aldred, Simon Williams, Pamela Salem, Karen Gledhill, Hugh Ross, Tim Trillar, Katie Manning, Gemma Redgrave, Ingrid Oliver, India Fisher, Anna Hope, Lala Ward, and Louise Jameson. What? Yes! We get Romana. What? And we get um, Leela. Wow! Yeah, I now I tell you, can you see why I geeked out on this? Wow, that is incredible. This I am so excited about this. So uh, we'll have the link for this. There's more to this story. There's some great artwork that is designed uh, to help promote it. We'll have the link for this in the show notes for this episode. Please, by all means, check it out. I'm excited. I can't wait for this thing to come out because I'm going to be spending the big bucks to buy it. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. I think wow. it's going to be great fun. I can't wait Amazing. for it. Amazing. Yeah. Now, uh, onto something a little, um, a little unusual. Uh, Jessica Jones creator, Melissa Rosenberg, she's, she's hmm. leaving Jessica Jones. Uh, what? Yep. She got a very lucrative multi-year deal for Warner Brother Television. Hmm. Now, I don't know. Um, let's see what the article has to say. Uh, everybody's, rating, uh, everybody's waiting on release date for Jessica Jones Season 3. But the fact that Melissa is leaving could put that all into jeopardy. Yeah, interesting. Uh, it was reported a competitive bidding situation that uh, Melissa's she will migrate over to Warner Brothers Television, which topped Netflix's bids to retain her, nabbing a multi-year overall deal that's said to be in the eight-figure range. Eight. What? Figure range. That's what the story reads here. I'm reading this off of Den of Geek. Wow. Eight figures. Well, okay. I'm to me. I I can't that's, help but wonder if that's, that's a typo. That well, but that. 
that's ten million. Well, I mean, I'll ten s- million's eight figures. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll say this. Hey, you know, screw that glass ceiling. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm happy for her. No kidding. I mean, That's especially if she thing. can bring in quality. And I've, I've been rewatching, or I shouldn't say rewatching. I've picked up uh, on watching Jessica Jones season, uh, this latest season two, and I'm just loving it. So if she can really bring a lot of that kind of quality, it doesn't have to have the kind of gravitas, but if she can bring that same kind of quality to Warner Brothers Television, I'm going to be thrilled about it. Anyway, um, Rosenberg will be tasked with creating and developing new small screen projects for the indie uh, subsidiary studio. It's a tremendous opportunity and certainly makes for a female success story in an industry in which that's still few and far between. So uh, where does this leave Netflix and Jessica Jones? In the same place, at least for now, since Rosenberg will remain credited as the show's creator and executive producer for at least one last time on season three, which did begin production in Mm. New York City back in June. So, okay, so they have gone forward with it. However, after that, the fate of Jessica Jones season four remains up in the air. At best, uh, season three could arrive by mid-2019. After that, should Netflix grant a timely renewal, a prospective season four, which is not a given, um, it could at best arrive mid to late 2020. But then the overall Marvel TV playing field could be entirely different. No kidding. Um, who knows? The industry is completely changing. Marvel is constantly reinventing themselves as they go into phase four and phase five. They may decide they want to just completely abandon the entire TV who end knows? of things at this point. Uh, it's hard to say. Mistake, but, um... Well, I, I think a lot of people are kind of unhappy with uh, – What's going on in terms of you know whether things are fully connected or not, and also there is the erosion of Disney's relationship with Netflix because well, Disney's going to start their own streaming service. Well, so just pull it over there. Yeah, so a lot of things are are really in flux right now. Yeah. So who's to say whether it'll actually come back? I would like to see Jessica Jones come back only because I like where her character arc is headed at this present time. Uh, this is it's very exciting to see where she's going at right now. So anyway, we'll have the link for that story as well in the show notes for this episode. Yeah. Speaking of Jessica Jones, we want to talk about mental health as uh, we usually do. We That's a ca- good segue. Actually, we, it's really apt. We really seriously need to think about mental mental health awareness. Um, there's just if you need help. Get the help that the, you need. The help is there. The help is there. Please do get help. Yes. And and the other thing is don't feel like there's something wrong with you because you're having a problem. Um, you're, not, you're not flawed. You're not a mistake. You're, you're not a screw-up. Everybody has problems. Everybody's got things that they're trying to deal with. It's a difficult world out there. There is no shame yep. in looking for uh, any kind of mental health. Get the help you need. I'm Daniel Radcliffe, and I believe that reaching out for help is the bravest thing a person can do. If you are struggling and need support, call the Trevor Lifeline at 1-866-488-7386. It's free and confidential, and trained counsellors are there to listen 24-7 without judgment. To learn more about the Trevor Project's life-saving work for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or questioning young people, go to thetrevorproject.org. Oh, 
And for those who only listen to our webcast, we do have a website at tggeeks.com where we run all sorts of interesting content. And some Emphasis of the items, on the word interesting. Interesting, yes. All, I mean, we're constantly coming up with something different, something new. So check out uh, check out the website. This last week we had a bunch of stuff. And then yes, it's go down the list. Uh, s- starting on Sunday, August nineteenth, there was issue number ten of Doctor Zombie Monster Family Physician. This is a cartoon strip that Tommy Cannon uh, illustrates, and it's it's a bit warped. But I love wow, it. it's I love it's it. tons of fun. It is tons. It, of fun. It's it's great fun. I mean, if you like some of some of the. Um, Sunday funnies, you know, this is kind of like right up that alley, yeah, but, but it, with a twist. It, it's kind of, uh, it's got that Mad Magazine yeah. uh, kind of warped sense of humor without mm-hmm. the politics. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's great fun. It, it's just, yeah, it's a hoot. Yeah. And then on Monday the 20th, we had episode number 183 of the TG Geeks webcast. On August 22nd, that'd be Tuesday, we gave a press release about how the movie Prodigy landed on netflix yeah we interviewed uh alex and um oh shoot can't remember his name now yeah uh the the two co-directors co-directors of of the movie uh, prodigy and ran a review on that so yes it's coming to netflix we're really happy that it made the move yeah and then we also did another press release about how john billingsley from star trek enterprise is beaming into the uncharted region yes he's going to be uh in an episode of uh, from Uncharted Regions called Haven, mm-hmm. and uh, we're actually producers on that episode, so uh, be sure and check that out on our website, and uh, be sure to check it out whenever it comes out. Yes, really excited about that. On Wednesday, Jeannie Koch returned with another old classics newly reviewed, this time for the 1945 movie The Hidden Eye. And then on Thursday, there was a review, How True Love Lives and Dies in... With a kiss, I die. How about that? And we just we just to <laughs> spoke to Ronnie about <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, and it, it's actually being released uh, tomorrow on, vi- on video, video on demand. demand. Yep. Yes, and, and I I really recommend checking it out. I mean, if you're unsure, go ahead read the review. But I liked the movie. Yeah, I really did. It's and if oh anything, my. the cinematography oh alone, my. the beauty of the Greek islands. Oh my gosh! I know. I mean, and, I and the the. The characters. Oh, the two main actors are breathtakingly phenomenal. They are just brilliant young ladies. I it, I could not speak higher uh, of what they were able to turn out. And again, the cinematography is beautiful. I, I said in my review that if Ronnie decided to give up making movies, he could <laughs> easily have a career <laughs> making a uh, <laughs> doing travelogues because he knows how to photograph uh, the, uh, the the locale. And then on Friday, we had issue number 25 of New Sushi, Morsels of News from Japan and Beyond from the great Hamish Downey. And also, there was another review from Ro. She, come back, she comes back with Julian Naked, a romance that successfully crosses the digital divide. And then on Saturday, the 25th, Keith came out with a review for the restaurant El Choro, how it is an Arizona legend for good reason. Yeah. And there's some there's some nice photos in that review yeah. too, including some of the food we ate. Some of the food, yeah. You can find all these at tggeeks.com as well as entries on our Facebook page. Please visit and comment on those things. As always, we have a few follow-up items. Check out the widgets on the side of the page. There are a number of books and causes we support. For example, Beth Cato's Roar of Sky, the third 
uh, in the Blood of Earth series. That's out there for pre-order. And you can order The Last Son by Katie Edwards, his first novel, or you can pre-order uh, the Hanged Man. Do we have a widget for the <clears throat> that, that pre-order on there? Yes. Good. Yes, both of them are on there. Yeah, I, so. I know that um, uh, Mr. Edwards has been tweeting like Matt that he's working really hard to yeah. crank out the best sequel he knows how. And as everybody knows, we are supporters of Arizona Opera and hope that you will be too. Their season uh, begins in October, and you can check them out at azopera.org. Now, the things that they have playing next year are Maria de Buenos Aires. I'm so excited. I am very excited about that. That's uh, in Phoenix, uh, September 28th, 29th, and 30th, and Tucson, October 6th and 7th. And then Charlie Parker's Yardbird. That's uh, in Phoenix, uh, November 9th. Is that the, the one that's kind of based on New Orleans jazz? Uh, I believe so, yes. Oh, I'm excited about that one, too. And in Tucson, November 17th and 18th. La Traviata, January 25th, 26th, and 27th. And uh, in Phoenix and in Tucson, February 2nd and 3rd. And then Silent Night about the truce uh, during World War yeah, I. Yeah, I'm really uh, interested yeah, in that. Could be interesting. Uh, in Phoenix at November or March 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and Tucson, uh, March 9th and 10th. And the season closes in April. And it's the Marriage of Figaro, a Mozart classic. Yes, uh, April fifth, sixth, and seventh in Phoenix, and April thirteenth and fourteenth in Tucson. Given how well Arizona Opera handled comedy with Barbara of Seville, um, I'm really excited to see what they're going to do with uh, Marriage of Figaro. Absolutely, and we want to encourage you to check out our restaurant reviews. We've added a new category. Yeah, on the we we didn't intend to fall into <laughs> yeah, this, but it just, just kind of happened. Kind of fell into restaurant reviews. So um, check them out. We'll uh, have those on the website. I'm going to update the some of the links for the past reviews that we've done into the new uh, restaurant reviews category. And as everybody knows, we're supporters of independent creators, huge supporters of independent creators, whether they're filmmakers, comic book artists, writers, or others, please consider supporting those independent creators um, by buying their stuff and uh, supporting them and buying their stuff, tweeting their information and checking them out on Facebook and wherever else they, they can be found and buying their stuff. Absolutely. And next weekend, actually, we're going to be at um, CocoCon, Coco Con. and that's uh, August the 31st through September the 2nd. Right. At the um, Hilton, oh, shoot, up, up at... Um, it's near Metro. In Metro, yeah. <laughs> I can, didn't have all the specifics here. Special shout out to Doctor Who, Talking Who on Twitter. They publish the Doctor Who Fancast Guide that republishes much of our content. You can find them by going to Twitter, searching at Talking Who. Also, there is Michael C. Burgess. He puts out the Barnix Semi-Journal Aggregator. And once again, republishes much of our content. You can find him on Twitter, searching at Byronic, B-Y-R-O-N-I-K. And then you've heard some feedback from Arkel in this episode. He has the Arkle Times Post Dispatch News, which, as always, republishes our content. You can find him on Twitter at Arkle, A R K L E. And of course, he's got the shameless cash grab. He's on YouTube. All you need to do is look up Arkle Studios. That's one word A R K L E Studios. 
And so, yeah, check look it there. Out. Check that he, out. He he does some interesting reviews of uh, sets of DVDs and oh, yeah. movies and and wonderful. Yeah, we did an interview with him not yeah, long ago, yeah. and he talked about some of that stuff. And he's he's got some really interesting content that he likes to review on. Also, a special shout-out to the Facebook group, The Gay Geek, for allowing us to post not only our episodes there, but any relevant stories or articles. So, yay, uh, uh, The Gay Geek. We have to give special thanks to their moderator, Jeremiah Reeves. He's the one who gave us permission to share our content there. So thank you, Jeremiah, and thank you, Gay Geek. You can find him by going to facebook.com slash groups slash the Gay Geek. You will have to uh, request access to it, but it's a very friendly group. And so long as you, you know, the famous, the famous two words, play nice. Yep. So long as you're playing nicely, they'll, they'll allow you in without any question. Doesn't matter uh, what your walk in life is. And we want to thank everybody that's clicked on our Amazon ads, uh, whether you can find them at the bottom of each page and on the right-hand side as widgets. So we want to thank you for clicking on those and buying stuff through our links. Uh, it's It helps us uh, kind of pay the bills. We may actually get paid from Amazon. Who knows? Oh, my word. And lastly, we are now on Spotify, and you can check us out on Krypton Radio at 3 a.m. and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on Tuesdays. And please rate us and review us on iTunes, and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Well, up next week, uh, that is... um, that's CocoCon. That's CocoCon. Hopefully, we are going to have, uh, we'll have talked to Beth Cato, and she can tell us about Roar of Sky, and if not, we'll have something else, but uh, we probably will have Beth. Most likely Beth. So I know we're we talked about having and, her in the studio Yeah, for that. we're going to sit down and talk to her, and uh, we'll, we'll have some other things on the website, not as specific um, webcast episodes, but we're going to do, uh, I think I want to try to do a concast episode for every day of CocoCon mm, yeah. so, and have it on the website. So check it out. Uh, check out tggeeks.com and we'll be there at CocoCon next weekend. Okay, that should do it for this episode of TG Geeks Webcast. Be sure to check out the article for this webcast episode. We'll have several links on the page of different things that we talked about. And remember, you can comment on our Facebook page or our website, tggeeks.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 469-TG-GEEKS. That is 469-844-3357. From TG Squared Studios, I'm Keith Lane. Thanks for listening. Please be kind to yourself and those around you. Peace. Cheers.